Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are continuing on our conversation on human sexuality and what the Bible says. Unfortunately, this month has uh, been labeled Gay Pride Month by our surrounding culture, and we are in the midst of, of stuff that is changing so fast that it, it would have been simply unimaginable um, even two years ago. Um, now, one of the challenges to this whole discussion is um, that our culture has adopted entirely a, a new epistemology. Epistemology is that branch of, of knowledge that deals with justification. So in other words, epistemology asks the question, how do we know that we know? Right. And the new epistemology is this, I know that this is true, blank is true, because this is how I feel. Right. 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 Um, that's not how the Bible speaks to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think Lewis puts it in very either or terms. Can you read that quote? Right. Right. And um, this is from C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Mere Christianity, in his chapter on sexual morality. He says, "Chastity is the most unpopular of the Christian virtues." There is no getting away from it. The Christian rule is either marriage between a man and a woman with complete faithfulness to your partner or else total abstinence. Now, this is so difficult and so contrary to our instincts that obviously either Christianity is wrong or our sexual instinct as it is now has gone wrong, one or the other. And then Lewis concludes, of course, being a Christian, I think it is the instinct which has gone wrong. Yeah. Now, C.S. Lewis nails right there uh, the nature of Christian sexual morality, that what we experience is twisted. Something has gone wrong with what we experience. And he goes on in that chapter, by the way, to give a marvelous illustration. Uh, He says that uh, obviously, you know, human beings have a sexual appetite. He said, now let's imagine that you were in a city uh, and uh, you went into a theater and you sat there in the theater and the curtain went up and behind the curtain there is a plate of food and they lift the lid off of the food and everybody in the theater sits there and stares at that food and salivates. He said, you would immediately conclude that something in this, in this society that's doing this, something's gone wrong with the appetite for food. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then he applies that, of course, to sexuality. Uh, that, you know, in, in his day, uh, in the 1940s in, in England, uh, the, the striptease show obviously was, was, was very popular, and that's what he was comparing it to. Mm-hmm. Um, something's gone wrong with the gift of sexuality. Yeah. And as Christians, he, he, as Lewis said, it's an either-or. Uh, either the standard is wrong, the Christians have followed for 2,000 years. Well, no, let's go back 4,000 years because it's the Old Testament standard too. 
let's make it very simple. Either God's word is wrong or the modern world is wrong. Yeah. And what Lewis is doing, and he's so masterful at this, is he gets to the, the, to the presuppositions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nancy Piercy in her book, this is called um, Love Thy Body, uh, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality. She says, many people are no longer asking the question, is Christianity true? They're asking, why are Christians such bigots? And that's a, that's a second order question. You might right. not like me. Uh, mm-hmm. You might not like the positions I take, but that's a second order question. Right. The first order question is, is this true or not? Yes. And I think, you know, so addressing this whole question of, of sexuality and culture, let me just uh, encourage you, Christian, know your audience, know, who you're, know who's in front of you right now. If you're talking to a Christian, um, then you need to know how to address them as a Christian. If, and we addressed that on yesterday's show. If you're talking to a non-Christian, it might be better to start with the question of ultimate truth than start with the question of sexuality. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Right. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you can't really uh, tell somebody something's wrong unless you have an ultimate authority. The ultimate authority that we have is, is God and his revelation. Mm-hmm. And so using we have to... One, in fact, I, I see this happening with young people too. Uh, you know, I taught for a while in a Christian high school. And, uh, you know, when they begin to deny the authority of Scripture, they can do anything they want. Yeah. You know, and, and they, you know, so I see them justifying, you know, sinful positions that they've taken later in their life um, because, uh, well, the Bible's not necessarily true. It's only true in some things. They te- treat it like a smorgasbord yeah. rather than absolute truth but there are two so um i don't know what you guys said on all this stuff but you know there are two forms of revelation we have natural revelation uh which Mm -hmm. is the created order and what we see around us um and we have that law written on our hearts as romans 2 says but we also have special revelation lloyd jones in his day um lloyd jones one of my favorite guys right now he was a preacher in the 20th century in london when he was talking about this issue of, of homosexuality stuff he went to um where it says in 1 Corinthians 11, does not nature itself teach you? Right. And there's, and there's, a, there's a good bit of that. You know, nature does teach us. But we have to realize that nature has, is in travail, too. You yeah. know, nature has been corrupted by the fall. It yes. didn't just affect human beings. It corrupted nature. And, you know, so some people will try to justify human same-sex relationships by referring to the natural occurrences of homosexuality among animals. You know, but that reflects a low anthropology, anthropology, the doctrine of man. Mm-hmm. You know, we take our doctrine of man from scripture, from theology, rather than from nature itself. And, uh, and that, so I don't take a cue from the animals. I mean, actually, there's a lot of animals that cannibalize one another. Right. You know, so, I mean, yeah, that's natural in the natural world. The, right. the lion kills off the offspring from the pride if they're not his. Right. Um, and then there's others that eat their young. Yeah. Um, so. so I guess I was understanding uh, Lloyd-Jones's interpretation of that a, a little more broadly than, than just animals. So, like, there's this concept called natural law. Right. Everything right. that exists has a nature to it, right. characteristics that tell us what that okay, thing is yeah. used for. So if I have uh, my iPhone right right in front of me, it's on the table, it's rectangle, it's glass, 
uh, it has digital buttons on it. Those characteristics tell me what that thing is used for. I know that that thing is right. not used to drive nails right. into wood. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Um, human beings, likewise, have a particular design to them. Well, yeah, abs- teleological ab- design. Ab- absolutely. And and <clears throat> and by the way, by the way, I'll say as a as a Protestant, my imaginary cap here to the Roman Catholics who who over the centuries have a have a very deeply developed uh, theology of natural law um, that we can that us Protestants can learn from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, nature itself tells us, which is a know, revelation of God, by the way. So yes. yeah, it's still a revelation of God. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Nature itself teaches us that that the male body and the female body are literally made for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're made for procreation. Two males together cannot procreate. Two females together cannot mm-hmm. give give birth to a new human being. Um, that there is there is a design, which if we humble ourselves and put aside human pride for a moment, that seeks to wants to overrule the Creator. That uh, there there is a givenness to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is the way God made us, and it indicates. It's part of the indication of God's intention. It's not the fullness yeah. of the indication. That comes in God's word. Um, but, but even creation itself, the design of our bodies, certainly points us in the direction of God's intention. True, yes. Amen. That's yeah. right. That's the design. And, and to go against that design, so when we see that design being distorted, especially in human sexuality, what is the result? Like, even mm. if we would put aside disease and, and, and those types of things, you mentioned procreation. That tendency in the human sexuality that'll die it can't re- reproduce mm-hmm. but then we add what we see what happens to the body medically um, right. um and physiologically when homosexuality is practiced it actually destroys your body yeah right yeah. and and you know the, it's it's strange because we've entered into this social world where they they talk about and uh, the the sex that was assigned at birth well, I'm sorry, that wasn't assigned at birth. That was assigned by a creator, God. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, that's not just a that's not just a little thing. And you know, I actually have a couple children that have worked in uh, urology. And you know, it doesn't matter what you what how you shape and fashion your body, you know, what you cut off and what you add, uh you you still are physiologically a male or a female. Yeah. Yeah, in your soul. In your soul. Yeah, I mean, it, actually, there's a place. So in Romans, th- oh, sorry, Genesis three, going back to the fall again, when God pronounced the curse, and He said to the woman, "Your desire," He said to the woman, "To the woman, your desire, your inner part, will be to paraphrase to rule over your husband, and to the man, but he will rule harshly over you." Now, that's not just a biological, physiological part of the curse. That is in the very soul of a human being, hmm. which means the, the soul of a woman and the soul of man are different on some respects. It's not right. just that we have you know, new, gender-neutral souls inside of uh, bodies that are very g- gender-specific. No, right. to the very heart of who we are, we are a gender. Well, the differentiation in, in creation between male and female, you know, God provided uh, you know, Adam with someone suitable for him. Uh, the, um, the, there is a compatible, the, the whole compatibility of, yes. of, of the human nature is male and female. 
and uh, you know as we discuss these things um you know we can we we can't get past both creation and fall right there has to we have to remember that we're talking about how god designed yeah and and what the fall has done and so some of our experiences, some of our desires, all those things might be rela- have a closer relationship to the fall than to yeah. the original design. That so God- yesterday, you guys didn't answer my question. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, if, if I'm a homosexual and I'm in this lifestyle, can I actually change? <laughs> is there hope for me? Yes. And, and, the, and the, the, the hope that we have and the things that are supposed to drive us are the same things that drive any other Christian when it comes to uh, sexuality. The focus is on, on uh, a holy sexuality in all of life. Uh, we, you know, we're not defined by our patterns of sexual attraction, um, and, but we are called to be to a, the same standard of sexual holiness. And uh, so, so, some, so some Christians have, have I think, distorted a little bit of the gospel when they, they try to, to get a homosexual to become straight, and then that's their gospel. Right, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you touched on it when you read from Mere Christianity, Phil, you know, about the, you know, and C.S. Lewis identified it. You know, it's chastity, uh, you know, in singleness, and it's fidelity in marriage. As you mentioned, when C.S. Lewis was writing that, he didn't need to say male and female, but uh, we would say that. It's it's fidelity in marriage, and that's mm-hmm. the call that we that everyone has. And and yes, uh, a someone who's had that lifestyle can um, become holy in regards to that uh, to their understanding of sexuality and their pursuit of that holiness, but not merely by becoming straight. No, not no, merely. No. You know, they need to be changed at the very fundamental level, right? I, Phil? Th- I think we're going to have to come back to this one tomorrow. Yeah. But the, the answer is seek first the kingdom of God and yeah. his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you Absolutely. as well. Thank you. Seek Christ first. Yeah. That's where you'll the find The identity your is in Christ. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you will continue to tune in. We'll see you next time.